The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod. We're coming to you live from our studios in Woodland Hills, California. We're very excited to be here on this rainy Monday morning. Can I say, we like pray for rain. We do rain dances here in LA and someone has overdone it. Uh, We've gone too far now and everybody's like saying, how many cubits does the ark need to be? It has rained so much, I feel like I'm living in Seattle. And there's nothing wrong with Seattle, but when you live in Los Angeles, you don't expect Seattle, and it's not prepared for Seattle. So that's where we are on this Monday, rainy morning again. And we're going to have more rain tomorrow. So, um, you know, hopefully we don't have mudslides and other things. Uh, But whatever's going on in your neck of the woods, I'd like to hear what kind of weather you guys are dealing with, because we so often say, oh, it's balmy 75 degrees here in January when you guys are digging out. It's your turn. Tell us what the weather is. (laughs) make us feel bad or make us feel better as the case may be. Anyway, I'm Shannon Penrod and I'm going to be your host for this next hour. We're going to be doing a parent-to-parent talk this hour, my top 10 tips for bedtime and nighttime success. This is not to take the place of working with experts and of course I'm going to say that um, throughout that working when when you have the opportunity to work with an expert on this, ooh, it's golden, 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 but sometimes we don't have the opportunity to work on that. So we're going to talk about what is useful for us to know one parent to another parent. So uh, our fabulous Traven is going to show you in just a second all the different ways that you guys can be watching the show, that you can re-watch it, you can find other tips and tricks, uh, talk, get, be a part of a conversation with experts. We've got so many things over the last 12 years that we've covered in so many different ways. I believe that there's something for everyone, and we continue because we love this live interaction. And so Traven's starting to show you some of the different places that you can catch us live or catch us recorded because we, uh, we do podcasts and are available as a free download wherever you get your podcasts. That's wherever you can get them for free. I know that there are some subscription, I can speak today, these are my teeth, some subscription-based places that charge you to download a podcast We don't participate on those sites. It's been part of my mission from the beginning here that whatever information we provide here, that it is free to those around the world who want to be able to listen to it and take what is useful to them and throw the rest away, right? Um, That's been a very hard mission for 12 years, but uh, we continue to keep the lights on. I will say that we are right now really looking for sponsors who want to participate with us here. sponsor a show, have an advertisement run. Uh, You will see that on our library that there are advertisements that are running. Good morning, Liliana. I hope that that is not off-putting to you guys. I want want to be very transparent with you. We need to do that to keep the lights on. If you know somebody who would like to sponsor, uh, please find them. But also, on the screen, it just said subscribe. That also helps us. And like us on Facebook and follow us and do all of those things. Tell other people about us because uh, we're here on a mission to provide information and inspiration. That's what we do at Autism Live. That's what we do with the Autism Network. And um, we don't spend big dollars on advertising because we don't have those big dollars and we'd rather spend it on doing other things that we think would be helpful to you. But it does help us to keep the lights on and so that we can continue to give programming for potentially another 12 years and bring a wider range of programming, which is what we've tried to do in the last year and a half. That's all part of what's happening also with our very first, maybe only, podcast-a-thon that's coming up starting on April 4th. Ooh, mama's in the weeds right now with that. Uh, so we are going to go live on the afternoon of April 4th at 3 p.m. Pacific time, and we are going to attempt to stay live, uninterrupted, nonstop for 44 hours. Live! Uh, <laughs> I just heard the yay. I'd never heard yay! it before. <laughs> uh, for 44 hours. That's a long time. 
But you know what it is? A great opportunity to bring lots of people here to have them talk to you about what they're doing on their podcasts, what they're doing with their organizations, to have lots of opportunities for you to hang with Dr. Doreen. We never have enough time with her to get all your questions answered. Well, I don't think we're still going to get it done in 44 hours, but we're going to be 44 hours down the road. People have asked us why. Why 44 hours? Look, my, my shirt kind of matches the theme of the logo I'm, I, unintentionally. Um, why 44 hours? Well, you know, the CDC right now estimates that one in 44 eight-year-olds in the United States has an ASD diagnosis. And I say it that way. I, I always used to say, well, one in 44 um, people have autism, but no. The actual thing is the CDC estimates that one currently one in 44 eight-year-olds has been in the United States has been diagnosed with ASD. By the way, we are expecting that any minute now, within the next two weeks before this happens, that we are going to get new numbers, and we will cover that as soon as we have the actual information. Are we going to change the number of hours? No. We are not going to do that because we have, we have a plan, right? And 44 hours, you have to plan like, plan like you are taking 7 million people uh, through the Red Sea. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of planning. Uh, so we're going to do 44 hours. It's going to be exciting. Some of the most amazing things have happened with people who have said, yes, I'd like to, because we've invited people that we think are amazing to come and do a takeover. Dr. Mary Barbera is going to come and do a takeover. She is the author of Turn Autism Around. Amazing. We've had her as a guest on the show. We're really excited that uh, she's going to be with us. And I should have my little cheat sheet where I can talk about all the things that everybody's going to be talking about. But I know for her, she's going to be talking about how you build language and decrease some of the challenging behaviors like tantrums. So does it get better than that? No, it doesn't. Except that there are things that, you know, are also exciting, like Sasha Long, who is from Autism Helper, is going to be here. And she's going to be talking about executive functions. And then we have so many people that are on the spectrum that are going to be hosting hours for us, because I know people always go, well, where, where are the people that are actually on the spectrum? No, no, no. They're hosting many, many of these 44 hours. So really excited. Poker King, so great to see you this morning. How are you doing? Um, so um, I, I want to hit some of the highlights. We've got a lot of do- dad podcasts that I'm really excited about. We have the Thriving in Chaos, which is the Driven Autism Dad. We have the Just Two Dads, uh, that they talk a lot about financial concerns and how to have your money work for you, which, you know, uh, we need that too. Um, we've got the Autism Dadvocate, Paul Carroll, who's amazing. So um, I think, I think we, you know, we've got some good dad presence, but we've also got some good mom presence as well, uh, like Dr. Mary Barbera. We also have uh, the podcast, 25, a 25-year look across the spectrum, which pairs together Kelly Birmingham, who's a BCBA, with Jen Lucera, who is a mom. So that's an amazing hour. We've got Ilana Gershlovitz with Aut- uh, Autism Now What from South Africa. We have uh, Swathi Chetapali, who is Siri's mom, the documentary uh, My Name is Siri. Uh, she hosts the Autism Awareness Radio Show that's very big in India. So she's going to be here with us. I, there's just so many other things. Uh, we're going to have Justin Leaf from the Autism Partnership Foundation. So if you liked that conversation the other day about progressive autism and want to hear more, he's going to be here as well. We've got folks from the Ed Asner Center coming to do an hour. We've got folks from Taka coming to do an hour. It's going to be really great. Poker King, I'm so glad you're doing well, and it's nice to see you too. Thank you for being here. So anyway, that all happens on April 4th. Somebody said, how much is it going to cost us to be able to come? It's free. It's free, which a lot of people yell at me for, but I want it to be free for you. But help if you like feel like I do, then help us to find sponsors to pay for it for you. That's, you know, that's, I could use some help with that right now. Anyway, it's a great opportunity. Oh, by the way, Dr. Temple Grandin, Dr. Stephen Shore, Dr. Carrie Magro, hello. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Amy Gravino, who you saw on the show last week, she's going to be talking with us as well. She's going to be interviewing Dr. Peter Gerhardt. Come on, you guys, this is really good. Okay, I don't think anybody's ever attempted anything like this. So, uh, you know, we're... (laughs) 
<laughs> we think it's going to be awesome. Uh, we're, we're counting on, because uh, Traven is the master that's keeping us all live. And uh, we're hoping that Traven and I get enough sleep that we don't get sick. That's where we're at right now. That's where we're at in the program. Anyway, I'm at this point, I can barely sleep. And we're two weeks out, uh, two weeks and a day out, and I can barely sleep. So I don't know how that's going to work during the thing. I might be up for 44 hours and my hair is going to look insane. It's not really going to matter because we're going to start very soon in the coming days. We're starting a fundraiser um, that will play out throughout the podcast-a-thon during hours that Autism Network is doing where we're asking for donations towards iPads for ACT Today. And if we get enough of them, Dr. Grampy Shea is going to shave my head, and it needs it. Just shave it all the way. First, she's going to give me a mohawk in the final hour. By the way, in the first hour, Joe Montagna, Holly Robinson-Pete, Kobe Bird, and more people coming on board every day. So So that's the podcast-a-thon. Okay. Uh, but this morning we're talking about bedtime, sleep time routine. And uh, I do want to say before we start doing anything that we have many experts who join us on a regular basis here on the show and that will be joining us during the podcast-a-thon. But I should not be confused with those experts. Yes, I have been um, a mom of an individual. I, I like to refer to myself as a pony. I'm a parent of a neurodiverse individual who got a diagnosis at the age of two and a half. Um, and he is now about to be 20. That's amazing. So that's how long I have been in this, 17 years, yeah. Um, But that doesn't make me an expert in autism. Let's not confuse that. And I've also been hosting shows where I've interviewed experts for now we're like at 15 years that I've been doing that. Still doesn't make me an expert. But it does make me someone who has an opinion that is, uh, I like to think of it as an informed opinion, but you can never know everything, right? So um, this is a parent-to-parent. On Monday, we do parent-to-parent, and this is a parent-to-parent conversation. This is not uh, what the experts necessarily say, although I think it goes in alignment with what a lot of experts say, um, but it can never take the place of working with experts. I always like to give you that disclaimer. It is so much easier if you go work with experts and have them have eyes on because there's no one-size-fits-all. And even as I was trying to make these 10 tips... Um, I think, you know, there has to be an asterisk under each one of these that if it works with this particular individual and if it works with your lifestyle. And we'll take that into consideration. Okay, so here are my top 10 tips for bedtime, nighttime success, parent to parent. We're going to go through all of them quickly, then we'll go back and I'll go through them in greater detail. So I love my little teddy bears there. All right, number one, this is a big one. It's the one that we all kind of have a hard time with is stopping the naps. If you really want to be successful with bedtime and you're really struggling with bedtime, it's probably time to stop or diminish the naps greatly. We'll talk more about that in a second. Number two, keep your child busy and engaged all day, especially during their usual nap time. Again, not the most favorite thing for me to say, but it works. Number three, stop all stimulants after dinner and notice that I put a candy on the screen because candy is a stimulant. You know, I, I love, I have friends, I don't drink any caffeine, but I have friends who drink a lot of caffeine, and they're like, I'm just not sleeping, as they're having, you know, one of those, I don't even know what the words are at, at Starbucks, but it's a vat of caffeine, and they're like, I don't know why I can't sleep at night, right? At a certain point, you got to stop that during the day, and we got to do that for our kids as well. Number four, we got to create a bedtime ritual, and it's got to be fun, right? Uh, fun and exciting. Uh, We have to make the bedroom a fun place to be. It has to be a place where they're excited to go to have part of the bedtime ritual. We have to make their bed super extra cozy because, you know, we want them to want to be in the bedroom. We want them to enjoy the ritual of the bedroom. And we want the bed to be like a place where you go, ah, when you get in it, right? Uh, Number seven, after bedtime, we have to make everything else less fun, I have a picture here with Christmas lights. The Christmas lights go off after bedtime. That's when all of the fun stuff stops. We'll talk more about this in a second. Number eight, we're going to use the bedtime pass if needed. And I'll explain exactly what a bedtime pass is and how to use it as we go in the long time thing. But you can find bedtime passes. Go to Pinterest, find them. You can find lots of information about them online. They work. Studies show they work. Um, we're going to praise your child for good sleep hygiene. You're going to praise yourself for that as well. 
And number 10, we're going to call in reinforcements if we aren't successful with the things that we have done previously on this list. Now, some of you might go, oh, well, duh, Shannon, these are like all ridiculously simple and simplistic things, and don't you think that we have tried this before? And here's what I want to say with love. Yes, of course you have tried those things, but it may not be that you were able to try enough of them all at the same time because you got tired. And that is not an indictment of you, right? When your child isn't sleeping, you're tired. And sometimes your judgment on things isn't as sharp as it would be if you had gotten sleep. So I want you to lovingly take a moment without judging yourself and say, have I ever done all of the first nine things all at the same time? Because I'm going to tell you the little story here that when my son wouldn't sleep, that's not entirely true. He would sleep when he wanted to sleep. He could sleep like a rock which was a definite plus in my category, right? But he took a, a power nap every afternoon around 2.30, and, there, man, it was like there was almost nothing you could do to keep him awake. He would just be, he, you, you could be talking to him, bouncing with him, and he would go to sleep standing up and just like, you know. Um, have you seen the cute puppy videos where the puppy is there and then it goes, <laughs> right, because it went to sleep? That was my kid. But then my kid would be awake until 3 o'clock in the morning. And I was looking everywhere, trying to find these tips and more, and couldn't figure out what was going on. And then as we were getting ready to start ABA, we had to take a 16-hour, both my husband and I, 16-hour class where you had to be there in present, both of you at the same time. Right? And I was like, oh. And the first thing that the guy said was, what do you want to work on? And we said, well, you know, he's banging his head on the kitchen floor, and he's not sleeping. And um, so he said to us, you know, we're going we're gonna to work on the sleep thing a little bit. Later, when we started our ABA, they said, we can't even work on the headbanging until you get this further under control. But um, this guy went through a lot of these things. They were slightly different. He had a very specific protocol, and he was like, if you do this within three days, your child will go to sleep when you want them to go to sleep. And I, he was a young, very handsome guy who didn't have kids, but had been working in the field for like 10 years, and I really wanted to flip him off, right? But I had to like make an agreement and sign a contract that I was going to do everything on the list. And I did, and within three days, my child went to sleep at the time that I put him to bed. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, like it's a miracle and, you know, did he come in and drug my child because I couldn't believe that it was working. But then I promptly decided I was going to finesse it a little bit and, and not do everything on the list. And then my child was back awake. And then we started ABA and they were like, no, you got to do everything on the list. So I'm going to lovingly say to you, it's hard and maybe you need to call in reinforcements to do this. But for a lot of kids, I'm not going to say across the board because some of our kids have some internal things that are going on that you have to go and num remember number 10, if this doesn't work, then you have to go directly to an expert and say, I need help, right? But in, this, in the beginning, maybe you need to say to family members, I need help because for like eight days, I'm going to try this and see if I can get this to work. Um, Poker King says it's been hard for me to sleep. I'm not working, so my sleep pattern is bad. If I work again, same place, different company, I want to work. Graveyard shift, will that be bad? I like the night shift. I, I want to say this, that, you know, we all have an internal time clock, and, and, and that's when our body prefers to be awake and asleep, right? It doesn't mean that it's written in stone, because a lot of people overcome that. I was someone who, my body likes to stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning, and it likes to sleep till 10 o'clock in the morning. Let me ask you something. There's no way I could do this show and be live every morning at 10 o'clock if I stuck to that, right? So there's that, no way I can parent if I do that. So not parent effectively, not with the child that I had. So um, there is a way that you can change your time clock, but it means sleep hygiene. And it's not fun. Nobody goes, woo, I'm participating in my sleep hygiene here. But it does work. I know. I am somebody who has struggled my whole life with insomnia. And it's, I just said at the beginning, I'm having trouble sleeping because of this podcast that's on. But sleep hygiene is the answer. I know. It's not the answer that I want either. But if you really want to prioritize getting good sleep, 
then you need to be willing to put in place some of the things that we're talking about here, okay? Um, but, you know, sometimes you have to work a graveyard shift. Sometimes you have to work a night shift. Sometimes you have to work the, you know, be at work at 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm sure that the people who host all the morning talk shows, um, you know, it took a while for them to get used to going to bed at 9 o'clock at night and missing all kinds of things. But, you know, you do what you have to do. So, okay, let's go through these one at a time. Stopping the naps. I, and I get a lot of pushback on this because people are like, he can't make it, she can't make it, I can't make it. Um, well, you know, everything in life is a choice, right? But if your child doesn't get good sleep at night, then you don't get good sleep at night. And then they're going to, at some point, they're going to have to go to school uh, in some way, shape, or form or whatever, right? They're going to have to go to school, even if it's that it's homeschooled, right? And at some point in third grade, they don't allow for naps. Now, there are businesses that are starting to put in nap chairs in, in offices and say we are encouraging people to take naps during the day. So maybe 20 years from now, this tape, you know, people will look back and go, boy, this is so outdated because we are allowed to take naps at school and we are allowed to take naps at work. But for right now, it's, it, there comes a point in life when we curtail that and then we allow it later, later again in life. And if you're not getting sleep at night and your child's not getting sleep at night, this often is the first stop on the what's the culprit here. Because if I get a nap, I don't need to go to sleep at 9 o'clock. Why would I? I'm not going to go to sleep. This is hard. Because especially if your child is used to taking a nap, they're going to be tired. And I don't think you should be afraid of that. Tired is what we want. Tired children are, are children that are, it means that they've, they've had the opportunity to do something, right? Bored children is not what we want. We want tired children. Now, is this absolutely across the board, everyone without exclusion? I, you know, of course not, because one size can't ever fit all. But be careful here because I've heard too many parents say, this will work for everybody but my child. My child has to have a nap. My child can't possibly cope without a nap. And then when we say, can we just try it for five days? Can we just try it for five days? Then suddenly the child is functioning better, can do more things during the day because they got better sleep at night and they didn't take the nap. So be careful when, when you're like, eh, is it your self that doesn't want to do it or do you really honestly believe that your child can't or have you tried it and your child can't i want to tell the story of the one parent who who i said this to i was like you you know you got to stop the nap your child's four you got to stop the nap and she was like no 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 no. and they had started aba and they were ramping up to 40 hours he was doing like 25 hours and they took away the nap and there was one day that he was so tired as they were doing therapy that he threw up he threw up and the mom was like, this is crazy. This won't work. And, and I, for one, I was like, well, okay, that is a signal that, okay, we, you know, we got we to gotta slow our roll a little bit. Don't ramp to 40 yet. You know, do 22 hours. Like we don't want children to get sick, right? And we don't want to be doing this for so many days and, and, and sleep depriving them, right? But eventually they will go to sleep at night. And if they don't, as I said before, this is when we call in a sleep expert. I just want to tell you the end of the story for this parent that she reached out to me recently and said, because it's years down the road, and she fought for and got the 40 hours for her child, and they fought through the letting the naps go and doing the 44, the 40 hours, and her and she contacted me to say, you know, my child doesn't qualify for a diagnosis anymore. And my child is doing so well. He's in school. He's happy. Uh, he has friends, he's, you know, he doesn't have a disability anymore. Um, but it started with her being willing to stop the naps. I know, that, like everybody hates me when I say that. I, I hated it when I heard it too because the naps was like a moment in the afternoon where I could breathe. But it literally was costing me sleep at night and I wasn't in a place where I could see that. But uh, anyway, you got to stop the naps. Um, if they're sleeping fine during the night and they still need a nap, then, then I wouldn't say that. But if you're having trouble with bedtime, this is the first culprit. Got to stop the naps. Um, okay. Then the second thing is you got to 
I have a really good friend who has adult boys now, but when her boys were kids and teens and then older teens, we would all marvel at these beautiful, you know, uh, polite uh, young men who got good grades and were just well-adjusted and were kind and, uh, and everybody would always say to her, uh, she's a doula, and everybody would always say to her, you know, what's the secret to, you know, your boys are just so awesome. And she said, and this is her phrase, not mine, but I think about this all the time. She would say, you got to run them like dogs, that during the day, you got to wear your children out in the best possible way, not not the worst way that you could think of it, but in the best possible way that you got to you know, she had her boys take swimming lessons and then they competed on the swim team and, um, and she would take them and do things during the day and she would run them and, and have them running around and playing games and stuff and, and she would keep them engaged all day long. This is what I was saying to you about, we don't want bored children, but if children, you know that, you know what it's like when you go to Disneyland or someplace like that and your child goes and goes and goes all day long and then you put them into the car seat to go home and they're, they're out. And we don't ever go, well, we treated those children terribly today, right? They were engaged. They were happy. They did things and they saw things and were excited and their brains are full. And so now they get in into any place that's cold and dark and comfortable and they're out like a light. That's the kind of thing that we want for our children. Now, you can't take them to Disneyland every day, but you can take them outside you can take them for hikes and walks and nature walks. You, you know, I think a lot of the time when we get a break, we go, oh, I need a break too. And so we're going to sit down and we're going to watch something on PBS. And that's not horrible. That's not horrible. But if you're struggling with bedtime, it may not be the ticket right now. I'm not saying forever. Um, but hey, there are video games that you can play where the kids run and jump and have to reach to get things and climb and do things. You know, it doesn't even have to be outside, but we need to keep them engaged and busy all day long. You gotta wear them out in the right way, especially during the time that their nap time usually took place. I, there was a period of time that was probably six months that I had to be home when my son previously would have taken a nap because I was the only one who could keep him awake. As I told you, you could be like walking with him and, you know, he'd go to sleep because he was used to taking his nap then. And if I left him with a friend of mine or sent him on a play date, he would curl up, some, they would blink and he would curl up someplace. There was the one babysitter who was taking him on, there were, I had two babysitters and, and one of them had put them on the, on the other person's back because I said, you've got to keep him awake during this time. And he fell asleep. She was like, he was on my back and he went limp and I thought he'd passed out, but he was asleep. He was a snoring. Uh, Joanne says, hi, Shannon. We had to give up naps just after two because he would be running around the living room at midnight. Amen, Joanne. And, and sometimes, you know, people will go, well, two's too young to give up the nap. If they're not sleeping at night, if they're not sleeping at night, you, it's time to give up the, the naps. Thank you, Joanne, for, for that testimonial because it's the thing, right? So, you know, we had to have a strategy. I had to have a strategy for keeping him awake during the time that he would have nap. And sometimes it was a race to try to get him to 7.30 because the kid was tired. And at 7.30, he would quirk and he would sleep. But that's a good thing. You want that. So, you know, uh, I, I got to come up with another phrase because people get offended with a run them like dogs. But... If they're bored, it's a recipe for disaster. If they're busy and happy, you're going to have a, more success with the bedtime no matter what else is going on. So run them like it's Disneyland. Make every day Disneyland. How's that? Um, okay, number three, we have to stop all stimulants after dinner. And I'm going to put a big asterisk after this one because for some kids, we have to stop all stimulants, period, full stop right? Other kids, we have to stop it at noon. Like maybe the only time we can give fruit is breakfast because that has enough fruit sugar for some kids. But absolutely for all of us, for any, you know, and I'm going to say this uh, to Poker King, if you're still there watching, because I know at one point, Poker King, you were talking about um, 
carbonated beverages, that, uh, that you were doing a lot of carbonated beverages. But if we are drinking, and carbonation could even be a stimulant depending on who you are because it can make gas that can prevent you from going to sleep. But certainly if it's anything that has caffeine, and, and we shouldn't, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say here, caffeine isn't good for our kids. Don't, don't be caffeinating our kids, especially if they're having any sleep time issues, no caffeine, but sugar and artificial flavors and colors, also not the best thing for our kids. But if you're going to do it, do it earlier in the day. Don't do it, certainly stop it at dinner time. I know people who are, think it's archaic, but other people still do it where they have dinner and there's always dessert. I would say to you, if your child is having trouble sleeping at night, I would turn that dessert into something that doesn't have sugar and artificial um, colors or flavors. It's hard, you guys. It's hard, but it's not nearly as hard as staying up all night with a kid who's wired for sound. And if you have a kiddo who... Yeah, I know um, some of you who watch the show on a regular basis, sometimes your kid will just stay awake for three days. If you have that kind of kid, I would take them off of all of this. Um, I would definitely be seeing an expert, but I would, I would take them off of all of this. Artificial colors, artificial flavors, and sugar. And I would, I would make sure that they get enough um, fruit so that, that they're getting vitamin C, right? But I would only give them fruit like in the morning. It would not be an afternoon thing, you know? Uh, okay, moving on. Uh, number four, create a bedtime ritual. This is one of the big things that the guy recommended for us was a bedtime ritual. And everybody's bedtime ritual is different, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about the bedtime ritual that he very specifically told us to do. So it started with that, it started at dinner time, that we would have the dinner, there would be no stimulant afterwards. Uh, we would have a little period of time after dinner where we would have a run around, run your yayas out time. Uh, that, you know, a burst of energy that it could be that we went for a walk outdoors is good because the air outdoors is good, but it wasn't always. Sometimes we would just dance and it wouldn't be for very long. It wasn't like a half an hour. It would be like a 15 minute thing. And then, and then that was the signal that after that, uh, everything that we would do, we would just take down a notch, right? So, uh, there would be a bath. And we did that every single night when we were getting him ready for this because we were setting up markers in the ritual. And you can do whatever you want, but this is, you know, you set up, first we do this, then we do this. And we had pictures of it on the wall of this is how, this is what it looks like at nighttime in our house. And that meant that we didn't go places at nighttime for a while, like probably six months. And we tried really hard to stick to this, but it made things easier. So we take a bath, and after that, uh, dry skin runs in my family. There would be a whole full body massage with a wonderful cream that had a little bit of a, a lavender essence to it, which also helps to relax and to you know lead to that uh, sleep state. So we would do that. Then um, for my child, and this is weird because I just told you you know stop the stimulants and and fruit and all that stuff, but we would allow him to hold an apple. Now, it, the intention was at the time that he could eat it, but my child very often did not. He might take one little nibble out of it, but it was the cold circle thing that it was something for his hands because his hands would always be busy. He needed to be touching things, right? So he would hold a cold apple, and sometimes it was green and sometimes it was red, right? Uh, while we read a book. That is the only way I could get him to sit and read a book because that was my child. That won't necessarily be your child, but we would sit and read. And in the beginning of the reading, it would be very interactive to keep his attention. And I would read and it would be very animated, but remember, it's still taken down a notch, right? So one of our favorite books, and a lot of times we would read the same books over and over and over that were his favorite. Like I would put a stack of 10 books and I would, in the beginning, I would let him pick which book that it was, right? But as we got closer to the end, I would pick which book, but we would read the same thing. And I, I, I love the uh, Usborne books, but you can make any book like this that you say... Um, 
you know, in the Usborne book, there's always a duck on every page to help keep the child engaged. And you say, where's the duck? You'd read the page and say, where's the duck? And they point to the page. Yes, good job. It keeps them engaged, right? But you can make any book that way. So I would say, you know, where's the baby? Where's the dog? Where's the tree? Do you see the owl? Can you point to the owl? You make it so that they're engaged. You're keeping their brain engaged with what you're doing, but you're taking every page, you, you know, you get a little quieter. Where's the duck? Can you point to the good job? That is the duck. Let's see what happens next, right? And you get quieter and quieter. So we're just, it's like we're just slowly turning down the volume. You speak a little bit slower. We're going really slow. Now, the other thing that the doctor gave us was he said, you've got to get this video. I don't think they make it anymore. But if they do, you might be able to find it someplace. Uh, and it was, it was a VHS tape. It was called Nighty Nights. And it's the craziest, silliest thing, this video. But uh, you put it in and it shows all these baby animals and they're running around the barnyard, right? And, and then and they're playing happy music and, you're, and, you, and you can sit and go, where, you know, is that a lamb? What it, you know, point to the dog, right? And it's all these baby animals. And then gradually the music changes, which is pretty much what you're doing when you're reading the book. The music changes and the, and the baby duck goes over and it sits down next to the mama and its eyes are getting heavy. And then each one of the animals goes to sleep. And this was the marker that showed my son, okay, now it's time to move into the bedroom. And we're going to talk in a minute about what we do with the bedroom, but we would go into the bedroom and the bedtime ritual was that he would get into his bed and I would sit on the floor by his bed and I would sing to him. And that was the, the bedtime ritual. And if I did that with the other things on this list, it wouldn't take long and he would cork off. Now, do they wake up sometimes again later on? Yes. But we create the bedtime ritual. This is the signal that this happens, then this happens, and there's no guessing game about it, that this precedes this, precedes that, so that they know and their mind starts to get, un, you know, this is what we do. Now, anytime you create a ritual, it's hard because you know what the ritual is, but they don't know what the ritual is. So that's why we took the pictures, put that on the wall. First, we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, and then we did that. And I'm telling you, five nights of this, and he was going to sleep. Um, and then I broke the ritual, and then it didn't work. It really involves doing all of the steps. But create the bedtime ritual. You can have, you can do it what is best for you. Um, and for your child, but there has to be a ritual that signals we're winding down, we're winding down, we're winding down, we're getting in bed, we're sleeping, right? That's what we really want to do when we're creating a bedtime ritual. Okay, we are going to make the bed bedroom a fun place to be. This is where you, you know, whatever the situation is, if your child isn't already sleeping in a, in a, uh, a bed that is um, a big, big boy or big girl bed, you might want to consider moving to that. There are all kinds of things. For kids that we have that are escape artists in the night, they have all kinds of things for this now um, that are safe. And you want to make sure that, you know, you're putting your child in a situation in, in their bed and in their bedroom that's safe, right? But it has to be a fun place to go. I love, there's some movie where they talk about why is it that we as adults, we get to go into our bedroom um, that has all of our stuff. And we get, if we're lucky, we have a significant other that we get to crawl into bed with them and have the comfort of sleeping next to somebody else. But we expect our most vulnerable children to go to bed and sleep by themselves. Right. And there's so much shame around co-sleeping and all of that. I do want to say that I don't participate in that that I, the other thing that they said to us was that we couldn't co-sleep and I really clung to that way longer than I should have. Uh, we did finally get there, but my son was older when we got there. But, but we did start when he was three about him starting the night in his own bed. Um, we absolutely got very clear on that he has to have his little bedtime ritual and start the night in his own bed. And I think that that's super important. They have to have a space that is theirs and that is fun and that is safe, right? Uh, we can talk about the what happens when they wake up in the middle of the night and you're asleep and, you know, and they crawl into your bed. We can talk about that you know, later or another time. But 
it is essential that we make the bedroom a fun place, which means that you've got to have some sort of a nightlight situation so that it's not pitch black, that they can have some kind of control over. We got the Uncle Milton's uh, The Moon in My Room, which is a big, it looks exactly like the moon and it's 3D and it comes with a clicker and you can, you can click it and it, it does all the phases of the moon. And then it's on a timer uh, so that after the last time you click it, it only stays on for, I don't know, like 20 minutes, half hour, and then it goes off so that eventually they're sleeping in the dark, but that they have control of it. There are so many different nightlight situations that have remotes, but I think it's important that it's fun that it's whatever they like, that maybe they help to choose it. In this picture that we're showing here on the screen, they're in a tent. There's two little girls in a tent uh, with lights on it. Whatever, I've seen people do teepees um, in their, in, over the bed, next to the bed, whatever, but their room should be a fun place for them to rest. Um, okay, um, so moving on to number six. We have to make the bed super cozy. So I think this is a place, too, where you can, uh, if you can afford it, having, um, I remember that there was a phase where we had the Wally, the robot Wally sheets, and uh, I think we had a Toy Story uh, bedspread, um, that it's their stuff, but it, that it's, it's super duper cozy because if mom and dad's bed is cozier, why would I want to be in my bed? So you got to think about how how do you make their bed more reinforcing than yours? I'm going to sneeze. Um, uh, I see, Michelle, I see what you're saying, uh, but I don't understand if this is separate from what we're talking about. Um, okay, uh, it's about how to become a nonprofit organization, uh, and I'm not. I'm not really sure. Uh, maybe you can write it and tell me more about that. But so make the, their bed super cozy um, and, and a place where they feel safe. Sometimes that means having a stuffed animal or a blankie or something. What do you have in your bed that makes you feel wonderful? Um, and then work backwards and think about your child. Ask their opinion, like what kinds of textures do they like? They make those silky blankets now. Ugh. Uh, I, I have a family member who was just visiting saying that she got the best blanket for Christmas because it's this incredible silky blanket that that's all she ever wants to do is wrap up in this blanket. We are sensory people and our kids are sensory people. And, and the place that we go to rest and put our head down has to be a sensory pleasurable place. So make it that way for your child, but include them and their opinion. Oh, I see. Thank you, Michelle. Big dreams and goals. Love it. Um, Number seven, after the bedtime, make everything else less fun. I remember when my child was, I don't, maybe eight weeks old, and we went to the pediatrician because uh, we were already having sleep issues. And the doctor said to me, well, what happens when this baby wakes up in the middle of the night? And I said, well, you know, I get up and I feed him and I rock him and I sing to him. And he said, that sounds lovely. I'd rather do that than sleep myself. Um, and he said, you know, if, if it's the equivalent of getting up and putting Netflix on, right? Which then you're involved in the program and you don't go to sleep. So he said, it, you've got to make it less fun to be awake in the middle of the night than, it, than going to sleep. So this is part and parcel of why we make the bed so cozy, because if the bed is cozy, then we want to get back in the bed, Right. But if we can get back in the bed and have Netflix on, then we'll stay awake rather than go to sleep. So for our kids, we just need to make things less fun. I said when I went through it fast that there's Christmas lights on the picture here, and it's the equivalent of turning the Christmas lights off. So there's no party happening in the middle of the night. If I am laying in bed and I go to sleep and I wake up and I hear mom and dad out in the living room and they're watching TV, then I'm going to want to get up and go be in the living room with mom and dad because that's where the lights are on. That's where the party is happening. That's where the good stuff is happening. And if every time I get up, mom gives me a cookie and gives me something good to drink and I get to sit on her lap and we rock, why would I want to go back to bed? This is where the party is. 
So we just need to dim things down a little bit. So if your child gets up in the middle of the night and comes out into the living room where you guys are watching TV, I know sometimes it's terrible because you're in the middle of a program and all you want to do is watch the program, right? But it does mean that sometimes you got to make the living room dark. Maybe you got to make the TV quieter. You have to put the TV on pause. And what you do is you walk the child back to bed and say, it's bedtime now. And, and you make it so that they're not missing anything in the living room, right? It's got to be less exciting. But if you sit down and decide to sing the whole uh, <laughs> canon of, of great nursery rhyme songs, then they're going to stay awake. So whatever you do, it's got to be small. It's got to be little. It's got to be not exciting. That doesn't mean we're rude or we ignore the child or that we're not loving. We go, okay back to bed and we we tuck them in their snuggy bed and go oh so snuggy okay we'll see you in the morning right and we quietly leave now we're going to get to the bedtime pass in a second here but just don't think about when they come out what they are seeing what they are hearing and if it's at all a party you got to dim that party right and make them back in the snuzzy bed because they'd rather be there Uh, Okay, number eight, praise your child for good sleep hygiene. I didn't want to leave that out because it's so important that it all phases along the way that we tell them that they're doing a good job, that we say to them, um, you know, oh, you're such a big girl. You're sleeping in your big girl bed and it's so snuggy. What a big girl. Mama's so proud of you, right? And we give them the kiss on the forehead and we leave, right? When they wake up in the morning, we give them a big hug and say, let's make an extra special breakfast because you slept all night in your big boy bed. You're doing such a good job. And when other people are around, we go, oh, they're doing, you know, they're, you know, did you know they're a big boy? They slept in their big boy bed all night long. You praise, 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 and reward, reward, reward for the good sleep hygiene. Oh, more, way more than you think you would ever need to because they don't know, oh, this is me being good. When I go to bed at night and I get in my snuggy bed and I'm there, that's me being good. Make sure you tell them. Make sure you tell them that they're doing a good job. Praise, praise, praise. Okay. Um, I, did I, I think I missed the bedtime pass. Where was the bedtime? There it is. Okay. Use the bedtime pass if needed. So, There's this wonderful thing, uh, it's called the bedtime pass, and I put an example that I found online, uh, because we had a set of bedtime passes that you could print, but I I sort of love this one because it explains what it is. Can be used for one more cup of water, cuddle, or extra tuck-in. Now, I don't know that I especially love the cup of water, because if you give them a cup of water uh, every time they get up out of bed, then at some point they're going to need to use the bathroom, (laughs) right? So be careful with the water thing, but... The bedtime pass, uh, what you do in the beginning is is you look at how many times does your child get up in a night. Now, it might be that your child's getting up 22 times before they give it up. Or it might be that you've given up at the 22nd time and you let them in your bed or you let them sit up and watch the show with you because you were tired. Don't, you know, don't flog yourself with a wet noodle, right? But just be thinking about that now and think, okay, See if you can do it one night where every time that they get up, you walk them back and put them in the bed with just the minimal, you know, no, you're being bad right now. None of that. But just let's get back in your bed and make it really quiet out in the living room. It might mean that, you know, you don't do anything that you go to bed, right? Because we're turning down the volume on the party that is your living room. Um, and then see how many times they get up. Now, whatever, however many times they get up on average, we say, okay, that's the baseline. And that's how many bedtime passes you, you want to give them. But a lot of times what people do, and you can do this, is start with four. You just start with four bedtime passes and you give them to your child and you say, if you get, and the first, they're not going to understand that, right? But they get out of bed and you have the bedtime pass maybe hanging on the, on the door or, you know, next to the bed or whatever. And you go and you rip one of them off because we did ours with Velcro that there were the four bedtime passes. And anytime he would get out of bed, we'd go, okay, you're out of bed. And we're still keeping it low key, but we would rip it off and go, okay. And we give them the pass and say, give this to mommy because that means you get to come out of bed. In the beginning, they're going to, I don't know what this is. 
is, right? But you're going to walk them through it. And they give you the bedtime pass and you go, okay, so did you need a cuddle? Um, did you need me to come in and tuck you back in? Okay, I'm going to tuck you back in, right? And, and, we, and we go, this is my bedtime pass now. And you take it and you put it away. They get up again and you, and you rip another one off and you give it to them and they have to give it to you. And it's clear that this is the bedtime pass. And we look and we go, there's only two left, right? And you put the, you put the bedtime pass away so that they can't get at it. And then after the last bedtime pass, you know, then, uh, and, and a lot of times there, it's, there's different kinds of kids, right? There are kids who will push it to see what happens when I'm out of bedtime passes. And what happens when I'm out of bedtime pass is that there are no more, you know, it's just that you, you, you physically pick them up and you put them on their bed and you leave and we don't even tuck in or anything. They have to tuck themselves in and they're not going to like that. And the first time that if you have a kiddo that's going to push it, the first time they're going to cry and they're going to get hysterical and whatever. And you just keep picking. This is a great time to have reinforcements where you tag team with a friend or a spouse and you say, you're in for the next 10 minutes and you just keep picking the child back up and putting them back in the bed. No discussion. No, you're behaving badly. It's just, there's now no party, flat affect. You're not having conversations with them. It's just, you're supposed to be back in bed. What does happen is that children start to hoard the bedtime passes. A lot of children don't even get to this phase where you have to pick them up and put them back in the bed, but some kids will. Some kids are about, oh, I'm going to see what happens when I'm out of bed. Other kids are like, I don't want to see what happens. But either way, what happens is they realize there's literally no party after the bedtime pass. But what it does, the bedtime pass allows them to not have anxiety. Because a lot of kids are like, I don't know what's going to happen and I need to have a bedtime pass in case something happens, in case I get afraid, in case I need help, right? And, I, and it's a kinder, gentler thing to do. So what we see a lot of kids do is that they, tr- they might use one, but they will hoard the other three because in case of an emergency. Now, over time, as the child gets a little bit older, you can eliminate one and say, well, we only have three now right? And eventually you'll get to the point where your child does not need the bedtime pass anymore. It might take a year, but they'll get to the point where, you know, they know I only need to get up up out of bed if there's an emergency and they will know that they can get out of bed when it's an emergency and you don't need the bedtime pass anymore. There have been lots of studies about the bedtime pass. Uh, I encourage you to look and read more about it but it really works. Sometimes people use different things like poker chips or they have little pieces of paper that are laminated that say bedtime pass or, you know, but it just has to be clear and it has to be something you're not using for something else. I know one person had it be a car, that there were four cars lined up and they could get the car, but then he would play with the cars during the day and it got mushy. So have it be something that they don't use regularly. Okay. I already did number nine, praise your child for good sleep hygiene, but number 10 we really, sometimes there's other stuff going on. And sometimes you need other medical help. Um, And if you've tried these things and you still have things going on, it could be a whole lot of other things. I've seen kids who have acid reflux, which means that they lay down, they go to sleep for half an hour, and then they they have uh, GERD. So their acid goes up into their... um, esophagus and into their mouth and it burns and now they're uncomfortable and they are happier sitting up so they get up out of bed, right? There could be something like that going on. Uh, It's a medical issue that you wouldn't necessarily know. Uh, Other kids, sometimes they're having subclinical seizures in the middle of the night and that's why they're waking up. Sometimes it can be as simple as... um, the routine, and I think a lot of times that it is, but if you're really trying the routine and you cannot get your child to go to sleep, I think it's time, and you've really done all the things that we said, you got rid of the nap, you ran them like they were at Disneyland all day long, you didn't give them stimulants, you did some sort of a bedtime ritual, and you cannot get your child to sleep after, say, doing this eight times, I definitely think at that point that you really need to go to your pediatrician and say, something else is going on, here's what we tried, we tried it for eight days, and we did all steps along the way. I've only heard of maybe two parents in all the years that I've been talking about this, 
where they were like, yeah, it's still not working. So I don't want to say that it, it, this is like the be-all, end-all for everyone, but those two parents went on to go to their pediatrician and find out that there were medical issues going on, which then were taken care of, and then their child went to sleep. So one way or the other, we need to get there, right? Um, so don't be afraid to ask for help. And in the beginning, before you do all these things, I really think you got to get other people on board too, because if your mother-in-law watches your child every Friday night so that you can have downtime, which woohoo, let's celebrate that, right? But if she won't adhere to this, it's going to be hard, right? Uh, This is going to be really hard if every Friday night she messes this up for you. You know, I would have a conversation with her and say, hey, can we get on the same page with this because this is important for their learning and see if you can't get your mother-in-law to participate. And it might not be your mother-in-law. It might, it might be the babysitter that you pay who just will not do this. Um, it's hard. This is really hard. And it might be maybe for eight days you need to get this under control and then slowly weed those other people back in because eventually the kids like it so much, they like the routine that they'll ask for it. They'll be like, no, this is when we read stories. No, this is when I get to have my nightlight on. No, this is when you sing to me or this is when I get to turn on the thing on my nightlight that has music that plays orca sounds. They'll start requesting for it, whether it's through verbally or by pointing to things. They'll start telling grandma, uh, no, 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 that's not how we do this, or to the babysitter. So all of those things, um, because they help them to be able to do that. Um, Now, if you have older kids, if you're having trouble with your teens, oh my gosh, Uh, I have a college student now who is on his own sleep schedule and yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard because, um, you got to have buy-in. They got to, but I will say one of the things that I got my son, uh, it was a little expensive, but one of those machines that it makes the, the thing on the ceiling. And if you breathe to it, it it puts you to sleep. There've been all these studies. You just have to get them to use it, which is, uh, where I'm having trouble because if they don't want to use it, then they're not going to use it. You have to have buy-in. In any case, let's talk a little bit about the rest of the week here, shall we? So on tomorrow, we have Dr. Graham Bichet who will be joining us long distance. So that will be super fun and we're hoping good internet connection. Uh, But she will be with us tomorrow. And of course, I cannot think what the topic is because I never think to look. Trayvon's going to tell me. Uh, then on Wednesday, we're doing another parent-to-parent. Again, I don't remember what the topic is. And then on Thursday, it's Stories from the Spectrum, and we are scheduled to have Let's Talk All the Things with Rachel Bird uh, on Friday. Any idea, Were you able to see, Trayvon, what the schedule is? I need to make sure that I have the calendar up when I come in here because I don't remember. Um, I do not remember. He's going to tell me right now. I can't hear you. Oh, it's tomorrow is my child is not making any progress. What am I missing? This is a great talk that Dr. Grampy Shea does on a regular basis about if, is there something that you're missing? If you've been doing all the things that you think that you're supposed to do and you're still not making progress, there is a list of things that are the fail safe of, okay, have we checked this? Have we checked this? Have we checked this? I'm going to tell you one of the big things is, is your child sleeping? Because none of us make substantive progress if we're not getting enough rest. If you saw an Olympic athlete and the Olympic athlete was not, they just were getting great training, but they weren't making any headway with something that, you know, that they were getting the best training in the world to do it. And and I think we would sit and go, are they getting, you know, if they're not sleeping, we would go, yeah, that's, that's part part and parcel. Why do you have what the parent to parent is on Wednesday? Okay. So on Wednesday, we're going to talk about top 10 success uh, tips for doing school breaks, things that you guys can be doing. Some of you might be on school break this week or next week. And so we wanted to cover that. I will say that all next week, all of our parent to parent stuff that we're talking about is uh, preparing for IEPs. 
things to ask for in the IEPs, things, ways to have a successful IEP meeting. We're going to be doing a little bit extra parent-to-parent as we lead into the marathon because we're saving our big guests for April. Uh, but hopefully uh, we're also trying to get some content out for you guys and the things that you need right now. So that is what's going on this week. But we look forward to hearing from you guys on a regular basis. We want to know what you want to know about. I, I'm dying to know, like, what is the hour? Have you looked at the podcast-a-thon hour-by-hour schedule? Uh, and I've still got more that i got to put in here in just a minute. But um, I want to know what's the hour that you're like, okay, that's the one I'm not going to miss. Uh, I'm really dying to know. I want to I wanna do a survey. Like, what is the hour that you're the most excited about? Is it Dr. Temple Grandin? Is it when Dr. Graham Pichet does her uh, potty training uh, boot camp hour? Is it Dr. Mary Barbera? What, what's your hour that you just are like, I'm not missing that? It could be when Amy Gravino is interviewing Peter Gerhardt. Dr. Peter Gerhardt. So I don't, I want to know, like, what's the hour that you can't wait for? All right. Uh, we're out of time, but we'll be back tomorrow with Dr. Grampy Shea live. So be writing in your questions. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>